church. How's everybody doing today? You guys good? Man, it's so good to see you and to worship with you. And, and I wanna take a second right now and I wanna welcome everybody today with us. We've got people in Conway. We've got people at Ainer, people at South Strand, people at Jay Rubin, people online, like, like everybody, all right? So we are really glad that, that you are with us. And uh, you know, as a church, it's pretty simple that, that we do church because we wanna help you find what matters. We want to help people find what matters. And we know that happens best when you connect to Jesus and connect to others. And uh, so I hope that today through worship that you've been able to connect with Jesus. And, and I hope that as you came in, uh, that you've had a chance to connect with others. And, and, and you've probably already heard it, but, but I want to remind you, we have a thing called Pathway coming, uh, both on our Conway campus and our Ainer campus. And we really want you to get signed up for that. It's an eight-week small group experience that is phenomenal. So check that out. Uh, if you're at South Strand right now, there's one coming your direction pretty soon, so just keep your ears open for that. All right, now, we're going to start a new series this weekend, and the new series is called If, all right? And uh, like, like, I know you just hear the words like, what? Well, the if is a powerful word. Uh, like, like, one, it's just a conjunction that connects with a clause, but it's much more than that. It's, it's a word that has a lot of power. And I believe this series will have a lot of power with it, especially for those of you who are this gen, all right? And when we say this gen, we really mean middle school and high school and young adults. And if you don't know about our church, that we say that we are this gen led, that we, we lead with this gen and we put this gen in leadership positions. That's the reason you see so many young adults and, and uh, high schoolers serving and, and doing ministry. But, but this series will especially, uh, I, I believe it'll especially be beneficial for this gen. Yet when I say that, make sure you know, that means it's gonna be beneficial for everybody. Like our last series was called Finding the One and it was all about dating and, and a little bit about marriage and, and we talked about it was for singles and this gen. Yet just this week, I got an email uh, from a lady who's married in her 60s and she said, that's one of the best series I've ever been a part of. She said, it helped me so much today, and I'm thankful that, that it was communicated because of our 20-year-olds who were able to listen to it and be a part of it. She said that, that if somebody would have told me that back when I was 20, maybe it would have helped me to, to maybe not make some of those mistakes. So, so that's the reason we celebrate it and we say it all the time that we're going to do things for this gen because we believe by reaching this gen, we can reach all generations. But, but let me take that back to this series called If. That, like I said, it's a powerful word. And when you use the word if, it also or often ha has other words that go with it, like the word then. Because if it is something that's gonna lead, if it's going to, to go from if to then, well, you might go, Josh, I don't understand. Let, let me explain it. That oftentimes when you say if, the then follows, and the then that follows can be good or bad. For instance, if I wouldn't have eaten Taco Bell last night at 11 o'clock, then maybe this morning wouldn't have been so bad, right? Or how about this one? If Andrew Luck wouldn't have gotten hurt, then maybe the Colts wouldn't suck. Or, or if... 
Krista wouldn't have come into my Sunday school class, then I wouldn't have met the love of my life. Or if we wouldn't have met, or excuse me, if we wouldn't have adopted Tate, then we would have never adopted Abby. How about this one? This one happens to me a lot. When I ask for a Diet Coke at a restaurant and they say, uh, if they say, is Diet Pepsi okay, then I say, no, I'll have water. Last one. If you have cats, it's too easy. (laughs) It's just too easy, right? If you have cats, then I need to pray for you, okay? But, but see, see how it works, if and then statements? Uh, let's go a little ser- more serious. If the Bible is true, then why don't we trust it? If it is wrong, then why do I feel this way? If the church is the bride of Christ then why is it so ugly at times? If God is good, then why is there pain? Real questions, right? Real statements, real thoughts. I actually believe those are, those are some things that, that, that all of us are either asking, have asked, or know somebody who, who is asking that. that. That they're asking, if God is good, then why is there pain? That, that if the church is supposed to be the bride of Christ, then why did it hurt me? Like, those are real things. Real things that in our world today that, that we see people across all age spectrums, but especially this gen, questioning and struggling with to the point that that they've taken these statements or these questions, and, and maybe you've started to deconstruct your faith. That's a kind of a catchphrase right now, this word deconstructing your faith. Um, it's been around for a few years, but the idea behind it is nothing new. Uh, meaning this, that, that especially young adults, that you might be in a season where, where you're kind of deconstructing your faith, you're examining your faith, and at, at a season of life where you're going, man, I just don't know if I believe that anymore. That is nothing new. The phrase deconstruction is new, but that's been going on for years. I can tell you ever since I entered into youth ministry that, that, that my upper high school students and my college age students, there was always a time where they were wrestling with what they believed or wrestling with maybe what they were taught. And, and today we would call that deconstructing where they're going, man, I'm trying to figure this out. And, and I want you to know it's actually a good thing. This might sound weird, but, but it, it needs to happen in your life. Like, like, I want all of you who are parents, I hope as parents, that you're teaching your kids the word of God, that you're teaching your kids faith, that you're leaning into them with scripture. Yet at some point in their life, it has to go from your faith to their faith. That makes sense? Like there comes a point where, where everybody has to go from what I was taught to, no, now I understand it. It's not just something that I was taught, it's actually something I truly believe where I've made that faith my own. So if you're wrestling with any of those kind of questions, or even if you're maybe here and you're saying that I might be at a place where I'm deconstructing some of the things that I was taught, I want you to know you're in the right place. Because the goal is, is to go from this idea of deconstruction 
to reconstruction. That, that the goal is, is to examine things that you believe and go, man, I really want to look at this so that I can reconstruct it in, in, in a proper, biblical, God-honoring way. The problem is, though, too many times we don't deconstruct to reconstruct. We deconstruct and remove. And that's what I don't want to happen in your life. Like if you struggle with any of those kind of questions, that if the Bible is true, it's okay to ask that question. But, but don't examine that question or don't deconstruct your thought on that in such a way that you deconstruct it so that you can remove it. No, deconstruct it so that you can reconstruct it in the right way. Reconstruct it in a way that you go, yep, this is biblical truth. This is what God is wanting me to do. Well, why do we struggle with that? Why, why does, it, does it seem so many times, and especially if you're into maybe what I call, like, I don't want to call it pop culture, but you follow maybe some celebrities or some musicians that have talked about their deconstruction story or their deconstruction journey. Like, why is it that they went from deconstruction to removal rather than deconstruction to reconstruction? I think there's two major reasons that has several facets. And these are not original with me. I will tell you that straight up. That, that I was actually uh, watching a, a message from a pastor. His name is John Mark Comer. Uh, he's written some incredible books. I'd encourage you to go read his books. But, but I was watching one of his messages, and I got with some of our This Gen staff, and we started talking about it and watched the message together about what it really means to deconstruct so that we can reconstruct. And in it, he talks about one of the reasons, or really the two main reasons why we don't reconstruct, we actually remove is based off of external and internal factors. That, that meaning this, that many of us have problems constructing faith. Like you might be here and you have no faith, like you're like, I haven't deconstructed it because I, no, I don't have it yet. That many of us have problems constructing faith. Others of us have problems reconstructing faith because of external and internal factors. And here's what I mean, that, that if you were to think about it uh, like a Venn diagram, I'll, I'll kind of show it to you up here on the board, that a, a Venn diagram shows you like three uh, circles. And um, if we were just to talk about the external factors right now, that, that these external factors, that what, what ends up happening is we have these three different things that, that lead us to not being able to build our faith in the right way or reconstruct our faith in the right way. The, the first one I would mention is simply this, a, a low view of discipleship. That we don't have a good understanding of what discipleship is, that we actually have a low view of it. If I could say it this way, that, that unfortunately many of us have bought into a lie that Christianity is all about consumerism. That, that we think Christianity is all about us, that, that we think Christianity is about God making me comfortable. And we think, well, as long as I'm comfortable and God does what I need, well, then that's the kind of Christianity I wanna follow. We call that consumeristic Christianity, where it's just take, 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 take. I want God to, to fulfill me and to satisfy me and to make me happy. Here's the reality. That's not a Christianity that Jesus installed. That's not a kind of Christianity that Jesus said, that's what I'm looking for. Jesus actually said the exact opposite. 
That, that Jesus said, if you really want to follow me, then what you have to do is lay down your life. You have to deny yourself, pick up a cross, and then come follow me. That you have to lose your life if you want to find it. That Jesus says that Christianity, that discipleship, actually has a high value attached to it. And unfortunately, because of a low view of discipleship, it leads us to this removal of faith. Or here's another one, a broken trust of spiritual leaders. That, that we've kind of lost trust in, in, in leaders. I, I think, honestly, like, like we've lost trust in leaders, period. Like, like many of us, we don't trust government leaders. We don't trust administrative leaders. We don't trust spiritual leaders, that there's been a broken trust. And part of the reason it's been broken is because there's spiritual leaders that have continually screwed up. And I hate that. I mean, just last week, I heard another story. And it breaks my heart because people are going, well, I don't want to follow God. I don't want to build my life on God because look at the people who are trying to follow him, who are promoting him, and, and they're messing up. So we've lost a, a trust in spiritual leaders. Or here's the other one, ideologies. That we got these other external ideologies floating around us. That, that we have all these different worldviews that, that come into play and, and we think about these different ideologies and they, they cause us to ignore, remove faith. That, that John Mark Comer, when he was saying this, he actually said that he believes that ideologies are the new idolatry of this generation. And I believe that's true. Because what we'll do with our ideologies is we'll say, well, this is what I believe, so God has to fit into that belief rather than this is what, who God is or what God says, and my beliefs need to fit into his word. And, and what happens is we take these three things and we pull them into the center, and between the three of them, these external factors keep us from rebuilding faith. Or, or there's also internal. There's these internal factors. The internal factors, things that are actually going on inside of us. One is digital inputs. And, and this is just real simple. It means this, that we get more digital inputs into our life than we do spiritual inputs. We get more technology, our phone, social media, all these things putting in rather than biblical or spiritual inputs coming in. And that, that we have a wounded heart. And bottom line, somebody maybe in the church has hurt you. And because of that, you've got some church hurt. And I know that that can be very real. And we're actually gonna spend a whole weekend talking about that in a couple weeks. Or, or maybe the other internal pressure that, that you have is, is this lack of fear of God. That, that you've got these external things that, that are flying into the middle. You've got these internal things that are kind of in the middle. And, and what it's doing is it's causing us to have a lack of a fear of God. And this lack of fear of God, what, what it ends up doing is it's this internal idea of, well, I just don't respect or fear God. Therefore, I don't build my life upon him or my faith upon him. It's almost like we've turned Jesus into our homeboy Jesus. Now, Jesus is our friend. 
Jesus comes alongside, but he's still God. And because of that, we need to fear him. And what does fear really mean? It means to respect and to obey. And when we don't fear God, it leads us down this wrong path. If you look at Romans 1, in Romans 1, we have some people, they didn't know God, they didn't understand God, but, but inside of that, they, they, they started walking out life and they chose their own ideologies and things that would make them happy. And because of that, they, they, they never entered into a relationship with God. In Romans chapter two, it talks about people who knew God, but even though they knew God, they had these ideologies, they had these other inputs, they had their own desires, and because of that, they walked away from God. And both of them, it says this in Romans three, that both of them is because they had no fear of God at all. And when we have no fear of God, what we do is we build our life, our ideology, our faith on our self and our own wants. We really see this in the story of the Israelites, that they were captive in Egypt, and then God set them free, removed them from Egypt, did, did some miracles, and people saw God, and they're like, wow, God, they feared God, and they followed Moses, they crossed the Red Sea, and at one point, Moses was gonna go up on a, on a mountain called Mount Sinai. And he told the Israelites, he said, now, listen, you stay at the base of the mountain. You can't come up the mountain. You can't touch the mountain uh, because God said you can't and uh, it'll be bad if you do, so you stay here. I'm gonna go up, I'm gonna talk to God and I'll be back. But because he was gone for a while, eventually the, the Israelites lost faith. And they started saying, well, maybe God has abandoned us or maybe Moses has abandoned us. And they started thinking about their own needs and started thinking about themselves to the point that they created an idol. You read about it here in Exodus 32. It says, then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I want you to remember that, that God brought them out of the land of Egypt, but now, because they molted some gold, uh, melted some gold into a calf, they're like, nope, that's our God now. This will take care of our needs now. And then look, look what Aaron did. He said, Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The, the interesting thing is that word Lord there is the word Yahweh which means the name of God. So, so Aaron, who is supposed to be a priest, Aaron, who's supposed to be leading the Israelites, gets bought into what they're into and says, well, let's just forget the God who has led us all the way and let's call this golden calf Yahweh. So then here's what happened. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in a pagan revelry, meaning they had an orgy. That's what it means. That they traded in a real God for a fake God that would serve themselves. And I think if we're not careful, this whole idea of, man, I, I wanna find out about faith, and I want to build a faith that lasts, and I want to answer some of my tough questions. The starting point with all of that has to be God, not self. 
And unfortunately, too many times, we build it on self, which is exactly what the Israelites were doing in that moment because they stopped fearing God. So I wanna challenge all of us that, that, that I want you to build your faith. I want you to reconstruct your faith. I want you to grow your faith, but I want you to do it through fearing God. Because here's, here's the bottom line, that if you fear God, then you'll gain wisdom and life. That if you fear God, you will gain wisdom and life. So I want us to really dig into what does it mean to fear God? And I'm gonna let our campus pastors take over on all of our campuses to talk about that. It's Hello, Rock Church. How's everybody doing today? Doing great. Feeling good. If you fear God, then you will have wisdom. Proverbs 9, 10, it, it lays this out beautifully. Check it, check it out with me. It says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. I love that idea of Foundation, Because Solomon tells us if, if we want to find the knowledge that we're looking for, if we want to try to find the answers that we're searching for, it really starts with the fear of the Lord. Because, well, let's be honest, there's a lot of us asking a lot of different questions, right? Questions about the Bible or sexuality or hurt or pain or the resurrection, as we'll talk about over the course of Easter. These are a lot of really big, giant questions that people are asking, and they may be questions that you are asking, or they might be questions that people that you know are asking. And what I have found through my conversations with different people is these are the conversations that lead to deconstruction. But as we said earlier, what we have to do is when we deconstruct our faith, which is not a bad thing, we have to make sure we reconstruct it. Unfortunately, people don't go into that, but there are also times when people try to reconstruct their faith, but don't do it under the right foundation. And when they don't build on the right foundation, what happens is a couple years later, maybe a tragedy happens or they have another question, they have to deconstruct the entire thing all over again because their foundation wasn't set right. However, when you start with the right foundation, you're able to build on something that will last forever. And that's where the fear of the Lord comes in. When you begin to have the fear of the Lord, you will begin to have the knowledge that you need. You'll be able to have the wisdom that you need, where when you come across these different ideologies or you have these different questions that come up or you have these different situations that pop up in your life, all of a sudden, you will be able to have the right answers for them because of the wisdom that the Lord has provided. Now, we mentioned what it means to fear God uh, momentarily inside of that video, but I, I want to reiterate it, and the way I'm going to reiterate it is pulling it straight from Kids Rock, um, because one of the things that we do across every area of ministry is we do something we call vertical integration. So what we are learning in here today is what uh, Kids Rock is learning right now, and uh, this is what it says, and uh, I loved it. I said this through the form of a puppet. Uh, a couple days ago uh, that we recorded and, and showed a video. Now I'm preaching it. The weird part's my job, right? So it says this. 
When he asks you to be fearful, he is simply asking for your respect. And I love what our kids team put together for this line. And trust me, he's earned it. I can think about the different coaches I've had in my life, the different people that have led me in my life. And the truth is I've respected those people, but I've also had a healthy fear of those people. That, that I've known that they've earned that position. And the reason they earned that position is because they were in those spots in the past and did what needed to be done to be successful. And it's the same thing with God, where if we look back on the history of God, if we look on the history of our lives with God, we will find that time and time and time and time and time and time again, God has shown up and God has done the right thing and that God was leading us the right direction even if we did not follow that direction ourselves. So what we gotta do is say, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to respect you. God, I'm going to fear you. And the reason why is because we want good judgment. I think we would all say we want good judgment. We'd all like to make the right decision every single time. We'd all love to know what the right step was. We'd all love to know what the plan for our life is. That's something we all desire. And wisdom is the way that we attain that. It leads us to good judgment. And it's so important because whether we realize it here in this moment or not, there's a war going on. 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 3 through 5, it, it says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. It goes on to say this. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love that scripture. It's a great scripture. But what it shows me is there's several things that we are at war against right here in this moment. One of the things that we are at war with is strongholds. Now, this might be things from our past that we've been wrestling with. This might be addictions that we have. This might be uh, mistakes that we have made. This might be things that we were taught. These might be situations that we kind of constantly come across. And we're always fighting against these strongholds in our life. And it's a really big challenge for us. But we're also not just at war with strongholds, we're at war with these false arguments. There's other people that are kind of constantly speaking into our life. And we look in the culture that we live in, we look at the world that we live in, and there's these different things that are being taught to us about God, about what we should believe, about what that really means about this or that in Scripture. And we have to fight against those different things. But then we're also at war with our pride because there's part of us that feels like we know better, that feels like we got the position that we are in because of what we did, not what God did. We're at war with our pride, but we're also at war with our rebellious thoughts because there's part of us that goes, oh, I know better. Oh, I, I could do this instead of what God wants me to do. Oh, I, I could do that. And it's all these things that we are at war with constantly. And it's like, man, we are trying to fight them all the time. We're all wrestling with them. We're all fighting them. We are all at war with them. And we're going, how do I win this 
war. We gotta fight differently than the world does. And the way we should fight is with a fear of God because we know that he is the one thing that can defeat our enemies, whether that is the strongholds, whether that is the false arguments, whether that's the pride or the rebellious thoughts. We know that God is the one that can defeat those things. So what we have to do is we have to take every single thought that comes to our minds. We have to take it captive and be obedient to Christ. So when we're wrestling through the deconstruction process, when we're asking questions, when we've got hard situations that we are fighting through, when there is a time of struggle, what we have to do is say, Jesus, you matter more to me than anything else. I'm going to respect you. I'm going to trust you. I am going to fear you because I know that you know better. And when you have that as the foundation for your life, that right there is wisdom. That right there is good judgment. When we try to do things our own way, it leads to a worse life. But when we have wisdom from God, when we have that good judgment, that leads to life. You see, fear of God leads to wisdom, but fear of God also leads to life. I love what Deuteronomy 6, 2 says, and this is really the, the reason we should have a fear of God. It says, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy a long life. When you decide to fear the Lord, you will enjoy a long life because when you decide to fear the Lord, it is better. And when we think about the first series of this, of this year, 2023, we had the series called Better. And the idea behind that series is you do what is better by doing what is best. Be better by doing what is best. And the best thing that we could do is to respect, trust, and fear the Lord. And I would love to say that means that we're going to have a perfect life. I would love to say that means everything's going to be just, just perfect and everything's going to be happy and there's going to be no problems, there's going to be no struggles, there's going to be no questions after that. That's not how it works, though. I wish it worked like that, but it doesn't. The reality is because of just the nature of the human existence, there's always going to be some struggle. There's always going to be some hardships. You're always going to ask some questions. But when you have the fear of the Lord, what you are having is that you are having a life that will be lived to the full. And the reason why is because you will know that you are a child of God, and that God loves you, that God cares about you, and because of that, you're gonna have a rich, full life here on earth, but also for eternity. So start today 
by asking yourself that question. What if I were to start fearing the Lord today? What would happen if you started fearing the Lord today? Look, I, I don't know what situation you're dealing with right now. You might be going through the process of deconstruction. You might be asking questions about your faith. You might be going through a hardship or a struggle. What I know inside of this situation is that if you are saying, okay, God, I'm choosing to fear you. I'm choosing to respect you. I'm choosing to trust you. Through that process, you will have wisdom, which will then help you have good judgment, which will then lead you to a better life. And that's what I want for all of us. I want all of us to have a better life. You might be going, Clay, that's great. I understand, okay, having wisdom is good. Having life is good. But why should I fear the Lord? Why should I fear this Jesus guy you've talked about? I I just quickly can think of the, the story of Jesus coming down from heaven to earth, humbling himself, born in a manger, living 33 years on this earth perfectly. No sins, no mistakes, performing miracles, pouring into people, loving the unloved, caring for the people that were outcast, sharing who God was. And then Jesus was put on a cross and he died. But then three days later, Jesus rose from the grave, defeating death, defeating evil, defeating Satan for once and for all. And when I think about a God that has that kind of power, that is a God that I want to fear. That is a God that I want to trust. That is a God I want to respect. And most of all, that is a God that I want to love because the reason he did that, because I every single person in this room and every single person watching online matter to him. So I'm going to challenge us today, no matter what situation you are dealing with right now, to choose to fear the Lord today. And this could look at a couple different ways. That might be just you and God having a conversation right there at your seat. Maybe uh, as we go into this time of response, you want to connect with someone at one of our connect corners. We would love to talk to you there. Maybe you want to take the step of baptism. That'd be great. We we have clothes available for you in the back. We've got communion up here to remind ourselves of Jesus' death on the cross and what he did for all of us. I think there's a lot of different ways that we could respond today. And I think it all starts with that good foundation of fearing the Lord. So let's do that today. Let's fear him. Let's trust him. Let's respect him. Let's love him so that we could have wisdom and we could have life. Why don't you stand with me? And I'm going to pray. Jesus, we come to you today just thanking you. Lord, I, I, I don't know what situations people are dealing with right now, but Lord, you do. So Lord, inside of this situation, Lord, I pray that you help them take the steps that they need to take. 
Lord, help them to fear you, to trust you, to respect you for that wisdom, for that life that you provide. So Jesus, I pray that we can all take this step and we can all respond to you today. Lord, we love you. Amen. Let's respond.